Hello and welcome to episode four of the Good Enough Moms Club podcast, where sometimes being good enough is best. Just before we get started, sometimes a little itty bitty swear word or two does slip out in the podcast, just in case you're listening with the kids around. How will I ever be good enough? When will the loneliness fade? And will it fade away? Why does it have to be so tough? Hard as I try, I'll never be good enough. Hi there, I'm Emily Beecher. And I'm Jade Samuels. And we are the hosts of the Good Enough Mums Club podcast. Every week we'll initiate a new mum into the club and explore the complexities and realities of modern motherhood. You can join the club or find out more about the musical or future episodes of the podcast by following us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram by searching The Good Enough Moms Club. And do not forget to subscribe to the podcast and rate and review wherever you listen. So in this episode, we're chatting with Karina White. We were so excited to chat to Karina because we're such huge fans of the Dope Black Mums and the Dope Black Dads podcast. And she was very much at the top of our list when we were thinking about guests. The conversations in Dope Black Mums are so important and we just wanted to share her story with you. Also, Karina is a kick-ass woman working in a very male-dominated industry. So we really wanted to hear that perspective. So let's head over to Karina, who we caught up with one evening and probably unsurprisingly, all three of us had a drink in our hands. off we always do this really sort of uh quick fire round of mum would you rather so we're just looking for your first answer that comes to mind your quick fire one so I'll start would you rather give up tea or give up booze tea (laughs) it's very quick (laughs) okay would you rather get your nails done or your hair done Oh, that's a tough one. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm going to say nails because I can wear like a wig or put a headscarf on. So I'm going to go for nails. Yeah. Would you rather sleep in or have a nap? Ooh, no, I love my daytime naps. I love them. <laughs> okay. I'm going to say nap. <laughs> you can only ever watch one sport for the rest of your life. What's the sport? See, I like football. But then basketball has some really decent looking players. Oh, I'm with you. I'm a big basketball fan. <laughs> Tough one. Like, oh, I'm going to go for basketball. <laughs> and Okay, so you have to be only watch one team. Who's the team? Oh, that's a tough one as well. Okay. Um, LA Lakers. Nice. West Coast. I'm loving it. <laughs> Would you rather clean up poop or clean up puke? Do you know what? Neither actually phase me. Okay. I'd, I'd probably say puke only because if the smell of the puke hits me, I'm like, <laughs> so I actually don't mind. So I think maybe I would go for, I'd rather clean up poo. poo. Yeah. 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 Okay. What is easier, yeah. keeping your kids alive or keeping houseplants alive? Plants, 1000%. <laughs> you like obviously I know this is all jokes they're not going to show you're not going to be able to see it but my this is my aloe vera (laughs) why is the whole leaf off like 
<laughs> and I tried really hard to to salvage it, and I broke a whole leaf off. So, if anyone has any aloe vera recipes for something, I've got a whole thick leaf. That- <laughs> <laughs> okay, if you had to watch a Disney movie five times a day, every day, forevermore, what movie are you watching? Definitely wouldn't be Frozen because I'm sick and tired of let it go. Let that <laughs> actually turn me mad. Um, Did Soraya like two? No, she. thank God she'd got to the age where by the time two came out, she was yeah. like, it's a bit babyish, mum. And I was like, thank God, because we've watched normal Frozen like so many times. See, it, really, it was really interesting. So Ray and I watched it for the first time yesterday and Ray was dead against it. She was too, because she's um, year five. Say, are they the same? Yeah, same the Raya, yeah, yeah. So they're like, oh, that's so babyish. But we watched it and it was really, really good. Like yeah. within 20 minutes, I cried three times. Yep, no chance of Frozen 2 getting watched in this house. I love <laughs> me neither. Maisie looked at me like I was like suggesting she put on a nappy and run around the neighborhood. <laughs> like, no, definitely. Um, what Disney film? Do you know what? I think it would probably be maybe like The Lion King. Because I absolutely love it. Yeah. Like, and I'll probably cry every time as well. Like Simba, when he loses his dad. I know. No, it's killer. I like some um, Timon and Pumbaa as well. So, yeah. Yeah, they remind me of me and my best friend. We are good <laughs> <them>. <laughs> Okay. Um, so we've seen on your Twitter that you love a GIF. What is your favourite or most used GIF, Karina? Um, the sip, the one with the girl, the black girl. <laughs> Sipping a tea. <laughs> tea or the one of the guy where he's like bent over the balcony with his hood up and he's like sipping his drink like um, <laughs> that that's me you're there for the shade she's there yeah. for the tea and the shade career yeah. yeah, that's, that's basically it Sums <laughs> love it well I think let's jump straight into the questions because we just can't we're so thrilled you're here and we can't wait to talk to you about your mum life um, so what was your journey to becoming a mum like? Absolutely awful. I hated it with every inch of my body. Like when I, I found out I was pregnant really early because I had morning sickness from like the first month all the oh way through to the point that I gave birth. So I absolutely hated my pregnancies. When I hear people say, oh, I love being pregnant. I'm like, I absolutely hated it. And <laughs> I couldn't think of anything worse. Like it, it was absolutely awful. Like I, in the first, I'd probably say like first trimester, I um, would vomit up anything. So I wasn't eating. So I was in and out of hospital to be on a drip because I just couldn't keep anything down. And then when I got like maybe halfway through my second trimester, it was, I had to eat to not be sick. So as soon as I woke up in the morning, I'd be like vomiting in the toilet, like just vomiting up bile because my stomach was so empty. So as soon as I'd eat, I felt fine. And then like an hour later, I would start to feel sick again. So if I got too, my stomach got too empty, I literally would just feel nauseous and feel sick. And it was just, it was it was horrible. It was absolutely horrible. But it was like, Soraya was like, you know what, mum, I've put you through a lot of shit. I'm just not sure if I can swear, but sorry. Yeah, yeah, go for it. No, it's, it's about, we are a very sweary, safe place. Um, amazing. Just put, just, just slap that um, warning sign. <laughs> um, so yeah, she, it was like, Soraya said, you know what, mum, I've put you through a lot of shit. I'm just going to come. And so I was in labor, I think, for maybe about three hours from the point labor oh. at home to having her at the hospital. I didn't have any pain relief or anything. 
Um, but I did because I wasn't listening to the midwives. I'm very hard of hearing. Like I'm so stubborn. I don't like. I just wanted to head out. I was like, I'm not holding this contraction. No, pushing, pushing, pushing. <laughs> I ended up tearing, and then basically every time I wanted to use the toilet after I got home, having stitches and stuff, I had to sit in the bath to mm. weep because I was like, oh my god, this is worse than having a urine infection. Like it's the worst thing ever of your urine just going over like your stitches. stitches. Yeah, it was absolutely awful. I remember her dad coming in one time and I was literally like, I'm just going to the toilet. And he came in the bathroom and I stripped off and I was sitting in, like, in the bath. He went, are you pissing in the bath? I went, <laughs> do not judge me. I tore pushing your child out. Leave me no alone. Judgment. I've got to do what I've got to do. So yeah, other than that, I mean, she was such a good baby. I couldn't even like, I'm, I'm not, a traditional mum I'm kind of like I'm still winging it 10 years later I'm still winging it um but she was a really good baby she literally just ate and slept until it got to the time where it was time for her to come off the boob she didn't want to come off the boob and she thought she would be as stubborn as possible by um I remember going back to work doing like a freelance event management um gig and um she must have been I reckon she was probably like seven, eight months maybe. And she did not eat from the moment I left that house in the morning after giving her her last feed. I got home at maybe like 10, 10.30. She, she hadn't ate for the whole day. Oh, so stubbornness runs in the family, I can see, Karina. You know what, Jane? <laughs> I don't think it's me. Like, I think maybe she gets it from like one of my siblings or something or maybe her dad because, you know what? I would probably say I'm like the least stubborn person, maybe <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> but yeah, she didn't eat for the whole day. Like, and I was like, my God, you are a, so stubborn. But yeah, it, it's, it's been a journey and a half and I'm winging it. And I don't mind holding up my hands and saying I'm winging it. Oh, God, I, me too. Yeah, no, for sure. That is pretty much what the Good Enough Mums Club is. We, do, we're admitting, we don't know what we're doing and we're just trying to get through this alive. We're trying to get through each day, whether it takes gin, Prosecco, a little bit of looking up to the sky and saying, God, please, please give me the strength to not scream at this child today. But, I mean, we've made it to, you know, she's 11 in November. She's still alive. Um, she's not been hurt. She's still here. She tolerates me. I tolerate her. And here we are. <laughs> what is lockdown? Because I think we all have kids the same age. My daughter's 11 next month. And raised 10 in August. So there's like a year between all of yeah. them. First available time. She First available point, she was back at school. Because I did not ask to be around my child 24 hours a day. <laughs> I didn't ask when I became a mum. I thought when you're a mum you there's set hours that you mum so that's you know in the morning until they go to school and then in the evenings when they finish school until bedtime that's set hours and then you know at the weekend yeah arcs or imagine as a mum you know when you're on holiday as well like you know when it's half term or whatever you're still working there might be like two weeks max that you're around them unless you're a teacher mm. then I really do feel for you being at home no but then there's clubs there's clubs yeah. there's yeah. there's um play date swaps there's all those wonderful things yeah. that we've got to survive this right so I was like I don't know who I pissed off <laughs> or who pissed someone off 
but why am I having to be around my child 24 hours a day? And she's like, why am I having to be around my mum 24 yeah, hours? Yeah, 100%. First time she could go and be, like when we could visit grandparents and she went to her grandma on her dad's side, she was gone for three weeks. <laughs> she didn't even want to come home. I, I was like, Sarai, you're not coming home. Yeah, but we're just going to be bored. So I think I'm just going to stay at Nanny's. I was like, no, you're going to have to come home at some point. She was like, yeah. She was really upset to come home. And then like, to, like you know, schools are breaking up. So she's like, so can I go back to Nanny's? Can I go back to Nanny's? <laughs> you know, she's done with me. And yeah. um, that's okay because, you know. <laughs> yeah. The feeling is very mutual, I assume. Yeah, yeah so, you know, I mean... Yeah, I, I joke about that, but I do feel that it's just not it's not normal for anyone to be around a no. twenty four hours a day and not have any interaction. Not even doesn't you know people who say I absolutely love my kids. I don't mind being around them. I absolutely love my daughter to bits. Like I I wouldn't change her for the absolute world. But you know, same way if I if if I lived with my partner, I would not be able to be around them 24 seven with no interaction with anyone else. So, you know, we had good days where we were on, where we, you know, we had homeschooling down to a T. Then we had bad days where it was like, right, school's on half term, homeschooling's on half term for the foreseeable future. (laughs) Um, So, you know, we, we did get through it. And I think um, I really, you know, I, I, there's never going to be another time that I'm going to be able to spend as much time with her as, um, we have done during lockdown and you know we we definitely cherished that time regardless of whether we were fed up with each other or, or not you know we cooked together she was cooking um Thai green curry she was making breakfast she was you know doing chores in the house she was learning how to um do like science experiments and all of these different things. We painted like the whole flat. We repainted the whole wow. flat ourselves. Yeah. That's amazing. All of these things, you know, there were things that we did in lockdown that we would have never had the time to do if I was at work. Um, so yeah, I, I, as much as I say she, she was over spending time with me and vice versa, we, we really did have some amazing like mum-daughter moments mm. together and spent a lot of time together. So yeah. I just, I feel like I really know my daughter. In a way, I didn't before all this happened. You you know her, but like, you know her now. Like, <laughs> yeah. then if I like her all the time, but I know her. I'm going to be honest. Like, genuinely, okay you don't as well. That's okay because <laughs> you know it's. I, I really feel like with some parents, it's they put on a pretense about how parenting is going for them. And it's not healthy. You have to be really really honest and allow your kids to be really honest. You know, if your child says to you, you know what, mum, I love you, but I actually don't like you sometimes. I'd prefer for her to feel that she can be really open and honest with me about that than be like saying, oh, yeah, no, my mum's great through gritted teeth, you know. Yeah, no. To have healthy conversation and express how you feel. And then you can work on, you know, the reasons why you might get on their nerves or whatever. If you don't, if you don't know that you get on their nerves, then you don't know how to fix it. Yeah, for sure. How have you found, I want to know, cause you have this incredible career in a very male orientated world. How have you found juggling that with motherhood? Have the two married easily or has it been a bit of a, a real balancing plate act? 
I've been really lucky um, in the, when, you know, I had my daughter, I worked for some amazing men um, where I started out in my football career. And because they were dads, they got it. They really did understand it. And they understood that, you know, I can only work certain days a week or I need to work from home some days or, you know, if, if they want me to work late, they need to give me enough notice because, you know, my daughter was really young then. She was like baby still. So they were really, really understanding. And then as it's got old, as she's got older, like toddler age growing up, I've just been really clear about my, my work's expectations. So it's very much, I have a child at home. So yeah, I might be able to get into work early because she goes to nursery or she's at school. But guess what? I need to be out of that door by 4, 4.30 because I've got childcare commitments that I need to go and collect her from. So I've been really kind of upfront with expectations of kind of what to expect and, you know, knowing what what time I need to leave work and so on and so forth. Um, I think as I've gone a little bit more senior and the demand to you know be up out, out to be out after work has increased actually because she's now older it's become much easier because you know she walks home from school by herself so if it's that you know she'll come home and she'll take off her school uniform and then she'll walk around to my neighbor's house and she'll stay there until I get in from work and um, if I know that you know I'm not going to get in until late she'll take pajamas and stuff with her and you know my my neighbor um it's um an older couple but they then got their kids and one's like in year 10 so she's like 15 and the other one's like um mid-20s and so they all make sure that she's okay so it's like having an extended family that live in the same building as me which is really really lovely but then also I have a really supportive family as well like my dad when he's not in Jamaica and he's <laughs> here, um he's he normally spends like six months in Jamaica six months here um and so when he is here you know that's a real source of um support because he's not far from me so yeah I, I i i'm it's not lost on me that i'm in a very privileged position in terms of juggling motherhood and juggling a career um because i look at some of my friends and they find it really 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 difficult you know there's times where i'll be saying look just drop off your child to me and go and do what you need to do because i realize that some of my friends don't have that support system like how I have. They don't have that luxury of having parents or um, parents around them that they get on with or whatever that they can ask that. So it's very much for me amongst my friendship group, it's very much um, a, 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 an extended family. You know, one of my best friends, her mum will always have my daughter for, for me if I need her to and even my best friend. But again, I think it, it's much easier now because she's older and, you know, you send her with her phone and her iPad and a book and you won't hear from her for the whole day. So, yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's not lost on me that I have that privilege that actually I do have a really, really good support system. And I do recognize that not everybody's like that or yeah. have understanding employers or feel empowered to be able to say, look, I'm here, but I've got to leave at four o'clock. You can get me on my phone anytime after that, but I'm leaving at four. Not everyone has that, no. that privilege. It's the, the village mentality, isn't it? Because I lived, when I had Ray, I lived in London for a couple of years when I was training at drama school. And when I graduated, I, I pretty much ran back to Birmingham where I had a family to help. Do you know what I mean? So when I have jobs, even if I need to be in London for a couple of weeks or days or whatever, 
we lived we've only just literally during lockdown we moved house we've just moved but we lived on the next road over to my mom and then my dad was the other road over and I was like I'm not ramping because the art it's like yourself the amount of evenings I have to be out like if I'm in the theatre working or networking or rehearsing or whatever it just wasn't going to work so that's yeah. that we're at my mom's house tonight funnily enough <laughs> yeah no it's funny because I don't have that at all and mm. so I am so envious of someone who can just take over occasionally and it's such a weird, actually such a weird concept for me in some ways to hear, sort of hear it very jealous to be fair, especially in sort of lockdown and that sort of thought, yeah. but it is. And I think, yeah, I think it's amazing that you, that you've been able to build a career like you have as well, because that takes a lot of personal determination as well when you have a kid because because people always expect you to check out of it, don't they? They're kind of like, yeah, you're, you're done. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think, um, you know, I am that mum that will bring the kids to work. I, I don't care if I've got to bring my daughter to work, then I will. And she'll have to just sit in a corner some, somewhere. And again, I've worked for companies that have been really supportive of that. So it's been, it, it has been fine. Um, even like sometimes if I've got work events or whatever after work, I'm like, right, I'm, I'm going to have to bring my daughter. But again, she's older. So I'm, I'm able to do that now because, you know, she can easily go and sit in a corner somewhere and sit on her phone or whatever. Well, what's something about motherhood you never expected? Losing your identity to a certain extent. So not knowing, am I Karina Sarai's mum or am I Karina? And I have this, for a long time, it was like, who am I? Am I someone's mum or am I me? And it took me a long while to kind of answer that question. And now I realise I'm me, I'm Karina, and I have to be in a really, I have to be okay to be able to be Soraya's mum. So first and foremost, I'm me, then I'm Soraya's mum. Because if I'm not okay with me, and I'm not okay with everything that's happening in my life or emotions, energy, that doesn't put me in the best frame of mind or the best position to be Soraya's mum. So sometimes people always say, you know, do you put yourself first or do you you put your kids first? And I can unshamedly say I put myself first because I have to be 100% happy and okay and stress-free and good energy to be able to give her everything that she needs and to be able to be a mum to her. And if I'm not, then I can't give her everything that she needs. So sometimes I can say, do you know what? She needs to be somewhere, but I also need 10 minutes to myself yeah. or a day to myself. And I will give myself that day because sometimes you need to reca- recalibrate before you can be on 100 and be at your best to be a mum to this this person that you love unconditionally. And so I really did struggle in terms of am I me? Am I my daughter my my daughter's mum? And I think a lot of people who struggle with who they are start to resent their kids sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I never, I'm not going to say I ever resented um, my daughter because I definitely didn't. But what I found is that you would struggle with needing to provide for her, mm-hmm. but also needing to provide for yourself. 
And yeah. the two can go hand in hand and you can do the two simultaneously or in cohesion. But sometimes you have to be able to step back and say, I've got to put myself first for half a day or for a day to be able to get back on track. Completely. If I don't get back on track. I can't be there wholeheartedly and bring my whole self to being a mum to my child. So I, I didn't realise that. I would end up being a mum or going through motherhood. I never realised I would struggle with identity, but I'm glad that I did because it's made me come out on the other side being, I think, a better mum and not stressing about the little things. Yeah, I think a lot of it though, it's it's that the world, the media, whoever set it up that you must sacrifice to be a mum. You have to go through pain to parent. And it's got it's pain. It's painful enough anyway. Let's be honest. So why why would you want to sacrifice? And I get that completely with the identity thing because I was, as I said, I was at drama school when I got pregnant, and everyone just assumed that would be the end of me acting. They were like, "Well, you're not going to act, are you?" And it was like, "Well, I can't be a mum. I can't not be a mum, and I can't not be an actress." So the whole identity, I realized it early on. I was like, if I give up drama school and I don't act and I don't pursue this, I'm going to resent you for the rest of my life. And I didn't want to be that person. I wanted to be able to love her. So I, I get it completely, the whole identity thing. It's hopefully more conversations like this help women realize they don't have to choose. Yeah, I think you're forged though. I feel like I know who I am now, partly because I went through that weird thing of well, A, you're always someone, you know, Maisie's mom, Maisie's mom. Um, but I feel like I'm a much stronger sort of stand tall, know who I am person because I've had to question that. I think that, you know, just like you said, it's sort of that thing where you don't really know, you know, you, you kind of get lost, I think, in early motherhood, don't you? And then having to find your way. stereotypes we talk about this a lot like what sort of stereotypes we see of ourselves in the media that we really hate are there any stereotypes that you see in the media that just piss you off yeah so I think from the perspective of a black mum there's so many stereotypes that I see that are perpetuated in the media in whatever capacity that might be whether it's in the news or tv or movies and it's always that you know black mums are single mums or they come from broken homes or their kids are really up um you know um wayward or there's there's always an issue and you know I I I'm not with my daughter's dad but that doesn't necessarily mean that we have like a negative relationship or that my daughter is you know growing up to be wayward and out of control and it's like actually if you I think what what I would love to normalize for people is that you can be with someone and love them wholeheartedly and think that this is the person you're going to spend the rest of your life with. And, you know, you want to have kids with them so you can have a family together. And that's brilliant. That can all come crashing down. And for me, I want to normalize not staying in relationships for the sake of the kids because it's not healthy. And I want you to understand that it's not anything to be ashamed of 
to break away from your partner or the the the, the mother or or um father of your kids it's okay to say do you know what this is an unhealthy situation or this is an unhealthy environment which is toxic and for the sake of my kids I'm going to walk away from this because it's better for them to be in loving environments even if that means two separate homes than being in an environment where they're around two parents who clearly have an issue with each other or don't love each other anymore or arguing constantly or there's abuse or you know I think I just want people to normalize that, that it's okay to be in a separate, in, in, to be in a separated environment. It's okay to co-parent. It's yeah. okay to move on and, you know, go into another relationship. All of those things are okay. We don't all have to live in the 2.4 family with, a, with you know, mum, dad, and the two kids. Like it's okay to have different family structures. And that's not just specific to a certain ethnicity or a certain race. That is across everybody. You have to raise your children in an environment that is positive for them and not toxic. And if that means being separate from their dad and having to co-parent then so be it you have to do and make sure that your kids are being raised in a positive and loving and nourishing environment and sometimes staying in a relationship is not that absolutely and I think I think you're right that it needs to be normalized because I remember my daughter because I think all of us are single parents (laughs) Um, um, and the whole good enough mums for production uh key producers are all three of us are yeah all single mums so yeah but I remember her being like, everybody lives with their dad. Like when she was really little. And there was part of me that just wanted to be like, just wait. <laughs> they do now. But when you get older, I bet they won't. Um, but it is hard for them, I think. And so I was constantly sort of always looking for like kids books about, you know, and my ex and I we co-parent really well. And we definitely co-parent better than we parented together. But it is really important that that gets normalized for kids as well as for adults who feel like. Yeah. And I think as well, like you said, I think with my daughter, she has a mixture of both in that her friendship circles, you know, some of them, their pet, that her friends, parents are still together. Some aren't even in with our family. You know, she sees really positive relationships with, um, you know, two parents living in the same household or, you know, some separate, but, what you know whatever whoever I choose to settle down with and marry or whatever she's going to be living in a positive household in a positive loving environment with someone who's not necessarily her biological dad but will also be that father figure in her life in addition to her own dad and I mean for me who doesn't want to have two dads you know or three dads or three father figures or whatever because you're, the benefit of that is unmatched because, you know, you get advice from lots of different people. You have support from different people. For me. Uh, hello, Christmas. You get more Christmas presents. That's been exactly. <laughs> You know, you can, you've got three, you've got more people that you can wrap around your finger to get yeah. trainers because trainers are very expensive. These yeah. days. Phones, all yeah, of phones, clothes, you know, all of those material things. But I think also, um, 
it's just knowing that you, you know, I, 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 I'm very heavily involved in the culture that I was raised in, which is um, Caribbean and Jamaican culture. And, you know, in that culture, you call everyone auntie or uncle or the elders. And it's that real family feel. It doesn't matter whether they're your biological um, DNA aunt or uncle, you know, you call your mum's friends, auntie or uncle, your dad's friends. And so for me, it's just that added extension of actually, yes, you have your dad and that is your dad. No one's ever going to replace him. But also you have all of these people, someone who lives with you, who is also a father figure to you, someone that also is going to help shape you into the amazing young woman that you're going to grow up to be. For sure. I think the more I always said to people, like we had so many guy friends around or whatever, but generally the more people that love a child, the better it is for that child. And it sounds like obviously Jamaican culture is sort of known for those, the big families and the aunties and the uncles. And, and that's such an amazing thing because, you know, it, you kids do need that. They need different people they can talk to about different things. Yeah. My dad's got seven brothers and sisters all from the same mom and dad. It's mad, isn't it? They do. <laughs> yep. Same with them. Same with on my mum's side. There's, I think seven of them. And then on my dad's side, there's maybe like six or seven as well. So it's same it, on my mum's. My mum's family, the family are Irish. So there's just loads of kids everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous. But but you know, I, I I love it. You know, family dinners, family parties, family like weddings and stuff is is brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I love linking up with my cousins. Like and even like my friends who. Um, my daughter calls like auntie or uncle whatever their kids she will be like that's my cousin and so they now are having that added you know extended family from an early age like it's it's um, one of my goddaughter's birthdays today and my daughter put up on her and um, whatsapp story happy birthday cousin and I'm like I absolutely love that because that's not your cousin but you love her and see her as though she is yeah that's so lovely <laughs> I've I've been happy to see my family again I'm not gonna lie in some capacity I've missed them so much like really really have so yeah I I mean for for my siblings and I I mean my nephew is three or coming up to three and I think he definitely was over being around his mum and dad for such a long period of time there was times where I was literally having to um play hide and seek with him on FaceTime. Don't ask me how. <laughs> spending like 45 minutes to an hour on the phone playing playing hide and seek. So it's all of these things that you're like, I didn't even know it was possible that you can play hide and seek on FaceTime. You know? <laughs> um, but it's just little things like that, especially I think with the kids. It's I think we are in such, obviously it was such a rubbish time and such a rubbish thing for Corona to happen. And, you know, my family was really hit hard with losing people. But if it wasn't for technology, we would have never been able to stay connected and to, you know, laugh together, cry together and, you know, just just have fun, do quizzes and stuff like that. It's actually made me appreciate my family even more. So, yeah, I'm I'm with you, Jade. I did really, really miss them. And just to even, you know, go and social distance in a garden that you don't realise and don't appreciate your family as much until you go through something like that. Karina, I just want to ask, um, what was your care like around your pregnancy and your hospitalisation when you had your daughter? Well, my, um, what do they call See, this is how disconnected I was. It's pre- prenatal care, right? Like, <laughs> 
Yeah. Just to show how much no this guys this just sums up what I'm like as a mum and that I don't even know what it's called prenatal care I think I went to one of those like what's the thing where they teach you like how to breathe <laughs> it wasn't even NCT what's like the, the mass, mass breathing you're breathing yeah mass. I went to one of them and I sat in there and I literally said sorry my my language I said what the hell is this I'm not coming back to this and I didn't go back <laughs> I was like, I'm not sitting in a room with people going. (laughs) (laughs) It's never going to happen. Never going to happen. And I went once and me and my daughter's dad literally looked at each other and he was like, yeah, not even doing this again, you know. I said, never, never see me back there again. So I didn't. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to wing it. Just like I've been doing for the last 10 years. I think actually that probably set a precedence whilst I was pregnant that I'm just going to wing it. So I'm going to wing it in pregnancy, in labor. I'm just going to wing it. I don't know how, how the breathing exercises go. I'm just going to figure it out. Um, so yeah, I mean, that aside of not <laughs> going to the breathing classes, I mean, I'm 35 now, my daughter's um, turning 11. So I was like 25 and I look very young anyway. So the care that I got, I, I, in my eyes, they thought I was younger than I actually was. So I was treated as such. And, you know, even being in, being in and out of hospital, it was kind of like, you know, you're young, so it's, we know best sort of thing. And, you know, I do expect doctors to know best, but also I'm a woman, I know my body. So I also know how I'm feeling. Um, when I actually went into labor, um, like I said, I had a really quick labor and I remember being at home and I'd woken up in the morning and I'd had my show and then started to have contractions and I rang the hospital and they were like, yep, yeah, well, you know, it's your first baby. So you can come down if you want to, but we're probably going to send you back home. So I was like, okay, fine. So I'm on the way to the hospital and I'm literally like having contractions in the car, like literally thinking I'm going to give birth in the car. So, um, my daughter's dad went to go and park the car and I went in and I thought, you know, I'm just going to go to the A&E for pregnant women because they've already told me that they're going to probably send me home. So I get in there and the woman takes one look at me and she's like, "Hun, yeah, you're in labor. You're going to have the baby. (laughs) You need to go to the labor ward. So I was like, okay, fine. So they've like whisked me through like this back way, like through theater wards and everything to the maternity ward. And, um, I get there and they check me in and then she checks me and it just wasn't really a, like a loving, um, experience, that first experience of being checked over and having my obs taken and stuff. And so she said to me, right, I need you to go and do a urine sample. So I was like, okay, fine. So I left out of this little broom cupboard that they had me in to go and um, do a urine sample, did the urine sample, came back and I was like, I need to push. No, 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 you don't need to push. You don't, I'm like, I need to push. She's like, nope, you'll be fine. It's too, like, I just measured you and you five centimeters or six centimeters dilated. You don't need to push. I'm like, I need to push. And she was so adamant that I didn't need to push. And I was getting so like annoyed. I'm like, mate, I need to push. Like, I'm telling you, I feel like I want to 
push a poo out. And because obviously I didn't go to the breathing classes, my source of information <laughs> was like YouTube and other people. And I'd watched a YouTube video of a girl saying, when you feel like you need to poo, that's when it's time to push. Because I pooed during labor. So I was like, right, okay, I feel like I need to poo. So I must, it, it must be time to push. And this went back and forth. And then in the end, my daughter's dad was like, she said she needs to push. So sort it out. And bearing in mind, I'm in a broom cupboard. Like I'm just in a, like a holding room sort of thing. It was not big at all. So she checks me and she's like, yeah, you're fully dilated. And I'm like, but I've been telling you this for like the last half an hour. Like I've literally been holding in the urge to like push so she takes me to like, tries to, they tried to move me into the room, the delivery room and had my daughter and stuff. And I mean, it wasn't like an awful experience, but for me, it was like, but I was telling you that I needed to push. Like if you had listened to me, I maybe might have been able to have some sort of pain relief, like just something, but you weren't listening to me and I don't know whether it was because I was black I don't know if it's because I looked young and they thought you know this child's telling us what we what how to do our jobs or whatever I don't know but it just it just it wasn't a nice experience and then I ended up tearing like I said and then I was having to have stitches and then by the time my sister got there she was meant to be my my second birthing partner she walked in with like a bag and phone charges and food like supplies ready to you know be in it for the long haul she walked in and there was like a baby on my chest (laughs) I missed it I was like sorry babes um you know but yeah I've heard a lot of um I've heard a lot of really worrying stories and even just the other day um I was talking on Twitter about um the statistics and how black women are five times more likely to die during childbirth and a lady reached out to me on DMs cuz if I mean Jade you'll know this cuz you follow me on Twitter I I mouth off quite a lot of the time. Like I like to call people out because I I want to see things change. So I do I do call out people quite but a lot. Ma'am, to your like to your benefit, you do you you're not. It's not performative. It's yeah. very much action based, and that's why I like Karina because <laughs> you, everyone can chat. But what are you doing with the chat? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So I you know I do I I try and hold people accountable and. You know, I will pull people up if I feel they need to be pulled up. But yeah, I was talking about um, the statistics around black women, that they're five times more likely to die during childbirth. And someone reached out to me in my DMs and she was like, "Um, I'm pregnant, but I can't talk about this publicly because I haven't told my employers yet. She was like, I've been when I went to the hospital. Um, the mid, I was talking to the midwife about my concerns, being a black woman, um, about, you know, the statistics and just feeling really anxious and whatever, whatever. And the midwife said to her, oh, you don't have to worry about that. The statistics are because black women can't speak English. (gasps) And she was like, right. So she went, yeah, you don't have to worry about that because you speak English fine. So you'll be fine. So I was like are you being serious? And she was like, yeah. So I said, right, what hospital was it? (laughs) Like, and so then I went on a rant on the Dope Black Mums Twitter and I was like calling out the hospital and like I, I'd, I'd posted the chat between me and her and obviously um, took out anything that identified who, who this young lady was. 
and um, I was like tweeting away and I was like, right, I want to hear from the hospital. Like, what have you got to say about this? Because you do know the statistics around black women. You do know that we are out here dying at a higher rate than any other ethnicity. Like being, be, like, it's it's unacceptable. And everyone's like, oh, well, you know, um, you must, it must be predisposed. And okay, so if it's predisposed and it's something to do with our genetic makeup, why are those statistics not the same in Caribbean countries? Why are those statistics not the same in African countries? Why are they only at those statistics in the US and the UK where we know systematic racism exists? And that is how it is perpetuated in a, in, in a healthy environment. And, you know, um, the hospital in question did reach out to me and did say, you know, I'm really sorry to hear this. Please can um, you get in contact with us? And I sent the details to the young lady and she was going to, she made the complaint and she said, you know, I will make the complaint just because I don't want anyone else to have to go through that. But I, I'm not having my baby at that hospital. I don't have faith in that hospital. I don't have faith in their maternity services. So I don't want to have my baby at that hospital. That's and I was like, do you know what? Absolutely don't blame you for that because I like it's absolutely ridiculous. I don't know the exact statistics, but I would assume the majority of black women that are having babies can speak English. And even if they can't speak English, that is for the NHS to provide adequate services that everybody can access, regardless of whether they speak English or not. That you, should, you shouldn't be, even if that was the case, you shouldn't be losing your baby or losing your life because there's a language barrier. That's, that, to me, that's unacceptable. I was listening to um, an interview on there's, um, the Radio 4 podcast on the statistics, the um, Women's Hour podcast on the statistics around... Um, black women dying and so there's this historian in America who um she's got she 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 went into the history of um gynecology and how they ripped apart black women essentially and did, did all of the experiments on them so she's the historian knows all the history she then went into hospital and she firsthand with her with her, her the doctor before her name with everything else dealt with those same systematic um what's the word I'm looking for all those viewpoints and all those um predisposed things that people feel about black women were were, um, perpetuated on her and it was like if if it can happen to a doctor who studies gynecology history who studies why black women are being treated like that then what chance does someone who hasn't got any sort of education stand it's really sad really really sad it's it's worrying too and you know some of the things that um the midwifery council have said that you know um uh, maternity services need to put in place like you know asking um sorry not asking um suggesting and advising women and black and asian women um of like vitamins and stuff that they should be taking and you know making notes about their um socioeconomic um 
um, st- uh, factors. And I'm like, are you, mate, are you not being serious? You should have been doing all of this anyway, just as standard. Like, of course, you should be advising black women that they need to be potentially taking more vitamin D or what vitamins and stuff that they should be taking. Of course, you should put down if, you know, they're living in a property with five other people or, you know, they're, they're living below poverty line or you, of course, those just should be standard things that you're doing anyway. And it shouldn't just be for black women. It should be for all mothers, but specifically black women, because we are the ones that find out that we're pregnant and don't know whether we're going to live at the end of those nine months. It's ridiculous. I had an old Jamaican midwife. She did call right a pretty half caste baby when she passed it to me. And I just went with it. <laughs> and I said, is there anything I shouldn't do? She goes, just don't have any, um, any um, pate or cheesecake. Everything else is, is don't, don't worry about all the other stuff. I was like, all right, love, thank you. <laughs> honestly I think um everyone says if they've had like a Caribbean or like Jamaican midwife they've had a good experience (laughs) or the one the people that I know that have said that anyway obviously I know it it might not be the case all the way around but I I don't know it's literally just like having like a grandma or an aunt she weren't around when she come to the house I picked up something she says I need to change the baby I picked up just obviously sleep deprived new mum I picked up um a baby girl off the side she says no and threw it across the room I says all right I'm really sorry <laughs> they're the, yeah they're the best they really are. but I, I preferred that honesty do you know what I mean <laughs> she told me straight that's not good enough go be a better mum I was like all right <laughs> don't worry I will yep 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 thanks for that Thank you. But she said, she says this this is going to be what she was that old. She says this is going to be one of my last babies. So I felt really honoured actually, which was quite sweet. But I'll never forget her what she said about Ray when she picked her up. Ray would be, Ray is beautiful. She's a very beautiful child. I was like, thanks. I think <laughs> really on PC, but we'll roll with it. It's fine. <laughs> Why don't you start by telling us about Dub Black Mums and then maybe some of the you know best favorite things that you've discussed as a group. So um, I am one fifth of the Dope That Mums podcast and never actually thought that I would be sitting sitting down talking about like parenting and stuff like that um, for an hour. But here we are. <laughs> so on this pod as well. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's what I absolutely love about it is um, we've grown with the podcast or the podcast has grown with us. Um, you know, we set out to fill that gap of um catering to black or mixed mixed mums or mums that might have black kids and you know wanted to hear a different side of parenting from a different perspective because there was no other kind of platform that catered to that and um yeah it's it we talk about any and anything we've we, we've got a podcast that talks about sex after childbirth we've got a podcast that talks about um a guy who is, you know, he he used to be um, the ladies' man and used to have lots of women. But then we talk about some serious stuff as well. We, we had a podcast for Baby Loss Awareness Week, which um, one of our co-hosts, she lost a baby. And she was talking about her experiences. And also one of my cousins were on as well, talking about her experiences of losing two babies. 
but it was nice because we were able to end that pod on a high because Nanadua, who's one of our co-hosts, she announced at the end of the podcast that she was pregnant. So it was like, yay, we're talking about, <laughs> yay, you're pregnant. Um, and she she carried the baby full term and Malachi is absolutely beautiful. Um, but yeah, we, we, we talk about, we in the last, I'd probably say, four months the 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 um I wouldn't say the aim has shift but kind of the content of the podcast has shift slightly in that we do do a lot of reactive pods depending on what's going on in society um but we also try and tailor it to kind of from the black mum's perspective or something about black motherhood um and also we you know we tackle issues that we know it are happening but they're not being spoken about so we did a pod on um egg donation and egg freezing and the fact that as a black woman the older you get the less likely it is that you would have feasible eggs or that you would be able to conceive which is much higher the chance of being less likely to conceive a much higher in black women the older you get so it was talking about that and we had a gynecologist on and you know he was really talking about the process of egg donation um, egg freezing and so when you have pods like that that's not just for black mothers that's for black women that's also for white women or Asian women who want to know about egg donation or or fertility or egg freezing. So our pods aren't just, we get asked all the time and it really annoys me. It's like, why don't black mums, we're all mums, you're being divisive, you know? And I'm like, guys, when you log on to certain platforms that I won't name on here, but they have similar names, it doesn't say that it's for white mums. But it basically is. Like, it doesn't say it's for white men. I says to you, that's why we wanted you guys. You, you were the only podcast, like, yeah. that we approached. Because I says, I don't want to hear those stories again. They've yeah. been told 10 and 10 and 10 and thousands and hundreds of times. And, you know, it's fine, but... When we went, we, we, we had a little um, a, a task. We went onto the forums on those websites and we looked at which forums hardly any had, hardly had any questions. Sorry, hardly had any answers. And it was the questions of mums that had mixed kids saying, I don't know what to do with their hair. How do I manage their hair? Tumbleweed. Oh, my child's mixed. They're being bullied in school about their colour. I don't know what to do. Tumbleweed. And it's like, okay, come on over to Dope Black Mums because you'll hear about these things. You can reach out to us and ask these things. And I think the most powerful podcast that we've done to date, you know, we've done some amazing podcasts, but I think one of the the, the best ones that I've really enjoyed doing was Dear Dope White Mum. And it was basically, we we didn't even set out with the intention of calling it that. We were just feeling really emotional with the whole Black Lives Matter stuff and the George Floyd killing. And we were like, we just want to talk about this. We want to talk about how we're feeling. And that was one of our reactive pods. And it came became very apparent in the podcast that we need non-Black mums to step up and raise their kids to be anti-racist and to lead us in the in 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 the fight to equality and trying to eradicate racism and discrimination because every child sorry every person that has carried out a racist act has a mum mm-hmm. and 
if we can get those mums on board to know that they're raising the next generation and to raise the kids right to be global citizens, to be anti-racist, to be, you know, diverse in their friendship circles, the books that they're reading, the TV programs they're watching, then actually we might actually have a better future for our kids. And, you know, I was really emotional in that pod because I was just so pissed off and I was just, I ended up crying and we got so many, um, I would actually, I was trying not to cry. And then I was like, we pride ourselves on being really authentic. So if I'm trying not to cry, that's not me being authentic. I have to be vulnerable on the podcast. I have to, um, show emotion and, we've had so many mums reach out to us to say, oh my God, I thought I got it. And I, I realised I don't because I've just listened to your podcast and I've realised I didn't. I didn't think about the fact that you can't go on holiday mm-hmm. to certain places because of how you might be treated. I didn't think about the fact that, you know, you might not be able to go to certain clubs because you're black. I didn't think, I didn't, I didn't realise that. I didn't think it. And so what's been really great about the podcast and us as a five is that actually people are listening and it's affecting change. Um, We have a partnership with NHS Blood and Donation Service because we were like, it's all great and amazing that we do all this talk. But like you said, Jade, we want to back this chat up. We want to be able to affect change. So we know that sickle cell disease is a disease that primarily affects people from the black and Asian community. We have a wide range of people from the black community that listen to us. So why wouldn't we talk on um, improving blood donations from the black community? Why wouldn't we raise awareness about sickle cell and what that means for the black community? And um, back to the fact that I like to call people out on Twitter. Um, <laughs> I was <laughs> I was calling out, as per usual, um, a charity um, a baby loss charity. And, you know, their CEO reached out to me and said, look, we know that we can do better in providing care and aftercare after a loss to, um, black mothers. Will you work with us to, you know, do that and to show us where we can be doing better? And, and so now we are. And so for me, it's, you know, there's so many different avenues that, have come from doing the podcast and you know if we've had people reach out to us to kind of help them do research into the statistics about black mums and I'm like I'm more than happy to do that because I for me Soraya my daughter sees all of that and she sees that you know her mum's trying to affect change I'm not saying that she needs to grow up to be an, an activist but I want her to know that if you want to have something change and you're not happy about something, use your voice to affect change in whatever way you can. Our podcast started off so small and it still is relatively small compared to some of the other parenting podcasts. But guess what? If it means that through the podcast, we can affect change for one person, it makes all of it worthwhile. I absolutely love your podcast. And I also love the fact that you disagree with each other. (laughs) Oh my God, all the time. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it's so amazing to get multiple points of view. And, and I'll say this as a white woman, it's great to hear that all of you felt really differently about race when we listened to the, you know, dear white mom, dope white mom. It's great to know that, you know, you guys had varying opinions on it because I think sometimes people feel like, Oh my God, if I I have to do it this one way or I'm going to get it wrong. 
Yeah, we always disagree. That pod, we, um, one of them, Natalie, was like, no, don't ask me, don't ask me. And I'm like, no, but Natalie, I would prefer for you know, a white person to ask me than get it wrong. She's like, nope. I don't, I don't know. It's just my experience. I don't, don't ask me. So, you know, we are really different and that is the beauty that, you know, we, we get backlash all, not all the time actually, but you know, sometimes we get it when it's like, why all, why not all mums? We're all, we're all mums. And, you know, it's saying actually just the same way that we don't agree on everything on the podcast and we have very different experiences. It's the same way we don't, when we don't expect everybody to agree with Dope Black Mums or the name. But what we would ask is that you just listen to the podcast because you'll see that it's not us bashing mums that aren't black. It's just that we are five black mums talking about the way that we parent. And a lot of people don't realise that there's cultural influences that affect how you parent your kids. Um, there's cultural influences into what you experience as a mum. I had to say to someone the other day because they were like, you know, you're being divisive. Or it, they basically did an all lives matter version of motherhood. All mums matter, you know, we're all the same. We're all connected. And I was like, yes, we are all connected, but we aren't all the same. We're all very, very different. And our experiences are very different. And for black mums in particular, we are having to contend with the fact that our kids are most likely to be um, permanently excluded from the education system. Um, they are most likely to be stopped and searched. They are most likely to be seen as a threat to other people. And as mothers, we are also more likely to die during childbirth or to lose our babies. So actually, when you actually really do dig deep, we're not all the same. And we all have very, very different experiences. But what we we are all connected in is motherhood and that we all like to have a laugh. And, you know, Nanadua is a hardcore Christian. She absolutely hates when we swear on the podcast. Um, you know, Endy is a vegan, so she absolutely hates when we're banging on about chicken and meat and stuff like that. And, you know, sometimes we do it to wind her up even more. <laughs> um, you know, Natalie and I, we are very similar, so we clash all the time. But at the same time, we are all five black mums who absolutely love each other, love our kids and just want to tell our stories. And we want to, you know, we encourage other people to come onto the platform and tell their stories. We had a white mum come on called the Mixed Race Experience. So if anyone is listening and, you know, they do have mixed kids, we have an episode called the Mixed Race Experience where we had a white mum called Steph come on and she spoke about her experiences of raising mixed race children and, you know, having to ensure that they have the best of both worlds, but then also understanding that there's issues that are going to affect her kids that she has no experience of, but she wants to be able to understand it and she wants to be able to ensure that she's prepared for those experiences that she might, um, come across that she's not used to so yeah listen to the pod um learn something new and you know we are always open to answer questions or give advice on anything that people might might need excellent that's awesome thank you karina so where can we find you guys dope black mums where can we listen to you follow you look at you (laughs) (laughs) so we are on all social platforms so twitter instagram facebook just search dope black mums and you'll find us um and on all streaming sites so spotify apple all the normal ones again just search dope black mums and you will find us (laughs) 
thank you so much, Karina, for chatting to us and being so honest with us. It was such a lovely chat to have with another mum who has a little one round about the same age as both Emily and my daughters and appreciates a night off with a nice glass of something cold. You can join the Good Enough Mums Club by following us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram by searching Good Enough Mums Club. We'd love it if you can hit that subscribe button for the podcast and rate and review us wherever you listen. And if you know a mum who'd like this, please do tell them about it. If the stories in this podcast resonated with you and made you think or even just reassured you that you're doing okay as a mum, you're going to love what we have coming up. Thanks so much for listening. Bye. 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 How will I ever be good enough? When will the loneliness be?